told you we had a treat for you today. Dwindle already kind of referenced it. Um, we have some missionaries in this morning with us, Tim and Ellie Bentley, all the way from Macedonia. Uh, they serve, if you're not familiar with Macedonia, it's Eastern Europe. I'm sure he'll tell you a little bit more about it so you can get some information on that. But them and their kids, Bruin and Irina, uh, are with us this morning, which is such a special treat. Tim and Ellie were last with us, was it 2017? Yeah, it was, 20, it was in the old building, so it was either 17 or 16. It's been, it's been a minute. So they pulled up today, and they're like, this isn't where you were last time. Uh, it's like, well, thankfully you didn't drive over there. Uh, so they, they found the right address. Uh, but we're, we're so excited to have them back in the States with us. They're uh, going to be going back to Macedonia, I believe, in January. So this is towards the end of their year here in the U.S. Um, so excited for them to share, uh, for Tim to share with you from his heart. There was a group chat going around yesterday suggesting that we needed somebody to fill in and preach for me today because I suffered through 18 innings of my baseball team in a 0-0 tie until we lost one to nothing in the 18th inning. Uh, and so God has already provided the sacrifice. Uh, nobody had to step up and, and step into the pulpit for me because God ordained this. He knew what I would suffer through on October 15th, and he had our church ready for still have a word from Jesus that didn't have to come from me on the 16th. So I, I cannot tell you what a treat it is to, to receive from God's word from Tim. Um, I could tell you many, many amazing things, but I'll just tell you this one, because uh, it's one of my favorite things about him. He has the best preacher voice you're going to hear in, in a long, long time. Uh, I, I want to kidnap him for Christmas Eve so he can read the Christmas story, uh, because it is just the, the deepest like soothing, do not fall asleep, don't get too comfortable, because uh, this guy, you are going to enjoy listening to Tim speak, and with that introduction, Tim, come join us, give it up for Tim. Absolutely. Well, I do believe that's the first time anybody has complimented me on my voice and called me a sacrifice. I'm not sure if I really want to be a sacrificial lamb, but God provided for you this morning. City Church, it's an honor and privilege to be here with you. God has been doing incredible things in this community. He's been doing amazing things in Macedonia and all across the world. And it's because of your faithfulness and giving that lives are being transformed formed by the power of Jesus Christ. Not only are you faithful in giving, but you're faithful in serving. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ extended to this community. You have incredible leadership. God has blessed this church incredibly with the leadership that is sitting here on the front row. Pastor Troy and Melody, not only are you dear friends, but you are dynamic leaders. The scriptures say, give honor to whom honor is due. So church family, would you help me honor your pastoral leadership this morning with a round of applause? Thank you. Thank you for leading well. Thank you for being people of integrity and for having a heart to reach this community. Together, we truly are making a difference here in Olive Branch and around the world. The last time we were with you, Probably five or six years ago, you might remember a little bit about our ministry. I shared a story of a young man who was in the refugee camp working hard as over 10,000 Syrian refugees came through the camp. He was providing food and clothing. He was, he was walking with children on their journey through the camp. Children 
who lost their parents along the way. He was concerned about the kids making sure that they would reach safety and wouldn't be kidnapped and sold into sex slavery. Shared this story about a young girl whose father had carried her into a camp. She was lifeless. This young man saw the need in front of him and he approached her. And he asked the family what he could do to help. Not long later, that young man found out that the girl was suffering from severe dehydration and was on the brink of death. So this young man put himself between an angry crowd of over 10,000 people in a military force with their batons stretched out. He bent over, picked up the body of this young girl and carried to a place of safety and security. Because of the actions of that young man, that girl is alive today. She was, she was able to make it, to, her and her family made it safely to Western Europe. And at the end of the service, as I came out of character, I shared with you that that young man was me. Powerful memories of how God has used us to minister to lives all across Macedonia, to minister to Muslim families who have never had an experience with Jesus Christ. So much has happened since then. <laughs> We've led church planting initiative across Macedonia in partnership with our national church. We agreed to serve as executive pastors at the international church in our capital city and accompanied Macedonian pastors on their first missions trip to orphanages in Uganda, Africa. We even helped rebuild a barn and relocate a family whose home was destroyed by a fire. You made that possible. Not any, every church in Mississippi, but you right here at City Church. Badama and her six kids told me to tell you thank you because they have a new place to live because of your faithfulness and your support. As you heard earlier, we're the Bentley family. For the last 16 years, we've been in full-time ministry. These past 10 years have been spent in a little-known country located in southeastern Europe. You should see a picture on the screen behind me. Just north of Greece, the country of Macedonia. At the end of July, Pastor Troy began a six-week series entitled First Peter, where we fit in the story of God. For the last four weeks, we've given our undivided attention to the biggest butts in the Bible. <laughs> if, I, if we were to give a synopsis to the past 10 weeks, it would be this. Believers play an important role in God's redemptive story. We are light to those who are lost, encouragement to one another, servants to the body, reflections of Christ's sacrifice and love, and we get to be builders of God's kingdom. As Christians, we are people of the but, as your pastor put it. Our life was a mess. We were strung out, hopeless, but God intervened on our behalf. 
Before coming to Christ, our lives were headed toward destruction. We were moving towards failure, frustration, bondage, addiction, hopelessness, and purposelessness. At some point along the way, God said, whoa, 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 enough is enough. You're not hopeless. Your life is full of purpose. I've called you. I've destined you. You might think that you have no hope, but I've called you for a purpose. I've changed your life for a reason. I'm not going to let you go. No matter where you are, what you've dealt with, you're not a failure. I have a purpose in mind. You see, when God created you and I, he created us with a purpose. If you have your Bibles, open with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. When you're there, say amen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10 says this. But you are, somebody say, I am. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Some translations say a unique people. You know, the reality of this is we can get excited in our bones. We can jump up and down full of excitement because we can say we are chosen. We're set apart. We've got royalty flooding through our veins. We're, we're children of the most high God. If we're not careful, we can take this scripture and use it to, to fill ourselves full of pride. You're not just chosen. You're not just set apart so you can be prideful. You're chosen. You're set apart. You're a child of the Most High God. You have royal blood throwing, flowing through your veins for a purpose, for a reason. Oftentimes, we miss the next two words in, this, in these verses. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a unique people, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You and I were created with the purpose to love God and proclaim his excellencies among the nations. We were created to be missional, to help others experience the love and mercy of God, to explore biblical truth, to expand our spiritual influence. As spirit-filled believers, missions is not just something we talk about. It's embedded deep in our spiritual DNA. It's who we are. It's what we do. And it's the legacy that you and I will pass on to our children, our grandchildren, and even our great-grandchildren. The gospel will reach the unreached because you and I are committed to the task. We are committed to valuing people no matter what walk of life they come from. We're committed to establishing churches, equipping leaders, and delivering hope. I want to celebrate with you some of the things that God has done over the last 10 years. Because of your faithfulness in giving, Together, we've provided humanitarian aid to over 1 million displaced people. In 2013, 2014, Syrian refugee crisis, over 1 million Syrians came through the, the, the country of Macedonia. To date, according to the latest statistics the Assemblies of God has put together, over 20,000 former Muslims gave their heart to Jesus Christ because of that, that moment in history. And you were a part of that. 
We, op- we fund and operate the children's feeding program in Shutka, the largest Roma settlement in all of Europe. Provided running water facilities to families in need, evangelized multiple Muslim villages, established churches across the country, and so much more. When the apostle Peter professed that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God, what was Jesus' response? Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus was all about reaching the lost for the kingdom of God. He's about establishing his church in areas of the world that have no witness to the gospel. This is what what you and I are doing together. Our vision is to establish 100 new churches in the next 25 years. When the world was in chaos, when we were gripped by fear because of a global pandemic, when churches were having to close their doors, when we were walking in stores with masks on, when we were wondering what was going on, how could a loving God allow us to live in such a very desperate in situation as you looked around and you watched the news and you got on Facebook or social media fear 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 was the word of the day but if you would just shift your focus and look at what God was doing around the world you would be inspired in the midst of a global pandemic the spirit of God was moving In Huntington Beach, California, revival was breaking forth on the beach. In the Balkans of Eastern Europe, churches and pastors who've not worked together because of nationalistic differences were working together. People were getting saved. Churches were being established. In the midst of a global pandemic, four new churches were established in the country of Macedonia. Only God, don't tell me my God can't do it. I want to give you an opportunity over the next four minutes to hear from the heart of some of these church planters themselves. They're going to share what they're doing and the reason why they're ministering in their local context. Hi, everyone. I'm Zivko. I'm pastor in the Evangelical Church Aerodrome in Skopje. And I would be happy to share some updates with you for, for the ministry in Macedonia. It has been challenging 18 months since the start of the pandemic, but I can say that God has been merciful to us. Like everyone else, we have faced the COVID crisis very hard, with Macedonia being one of the top five countries in the world with the highest ranking mortality from COVID. God gave the church unforeseen opportunity to get involved and to do what only the church can do, bring hope through the message of the gospel and through the various ministries for which God opened doors. 2021 has been a year of transition for us as a denomination. December 2020, our longtime bishop passed away from COVID and with that, our denomination entered in the process of regrouping and reshaping. Here are some words from our current new president of the Evangelical Church in Macedonia. Greetings from Macedonia. Welcome to this video presentation of our ministry. We would like to present some of our activities and projects this year. We are very grateful for your partnership with us. We are very grateful for all your prayers and support. We appreciate very much everything you're doing for us. We love you 
May God bless you all. Church planting is deep in our DNA. And even in times of COVID, God opened a door in the city of Radovish, in which there was no evangelical church. We already rent a facility there and we have regular Sunday services. Pastor Robert moved to Radovish with his family and they built network of friendships and shared the love of God with the local population. Me, I'm still in church planting season myself with our local church. In less than three years, God has built a team around me and Stephanie, my wife, and by the grace of God, we have established trustworthy and committed leaders who have started ministries in our church for reaching all sorts of people groups. We use the Alpha Course as a platform to share the faith with people who are seeking God and we see that God has laid a foundation for the future of our local church. Beside our church planting projects, there is one new opportunity in one of our local churches. Hi, my name is Pastor Philip, and I'm the pastor of the Evangelical Church here in uh, Veles, Macedonia. So what we started as a church uh, four years ago when I became as a pastor, uh, blessing and helping uh, poor families here in our town and in our municipality, uh, was that we were helping five uh, families because that was our budget. But really in the past 18 months with the pandemic, what we've seen is, is, is an increase and just an explosion of, of God's blessing and uh, generosity of His people. That So much so that now, as this video is being recorded, we're able to bless close to 100 families with food parcels each and every month. In that time, we're also able to uh, renovate and help the children's ward and the neonatology uh, ward here in the, the hospital. So just to be able to bless the children and uh, the babies that are being born. The church came, uh, became, became this channel uh, for people who wanted to give and wanted to donate and for people who needed uh, the help. So the church was the place where those two came together. Uh, in such a way that uh, probably 70 to 80 percent of all those like tens of thousands of dollars that we were able to, to use and bless others uh, with, they came from people who are not part of the church uh, yet. So thank you and I hope that uh, this encourages you. In some situations and instances we come back to the basics in which the calling is the only anchor for a faithful labor on the field of the ministry. And this is the truth. We believe God sees all that. If there is one word I can say of how we see the future of our church is the word anticipation. We're waiting for God's Kairos timing to see what is next. We're all in anticipation for what God has for us in the coming years. We're all in anticipation for the next generation. In the coming years, we will need partners who are a few steps ahead of us in order to share with us their experience. Every prayer and support is helping us to face the challenges that are coming. Please stand with us and let's see in what way we can make the blessing of God to be mutual. Amen. Can somebody give God a round of applause for what he's doing? We're all waiting in anticipation for what the Spirit of God is going to do next. We're believing for 10 new churches to be established in our next four-year term, 100 churches in the next 25 years. You might be asking yourself, why plant churches? There's a simple answer. 
The unreached must have an opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel message. In today's world, it's estimated that there are close to 3 billion individuals dispersed across 7,000 different people groups who have little to no access to the gospel. Some 4,400 languages are without portions of scripture available. In the 1040 window, an area of the world home to the largest amount of unreached people, three out of every five have no thriving church to attend. In Macedonia, a country of 2 million, less than 0.06% of the population claim to have a relationship with Christ. In our highly connected and digitalized world, these statistics are heartbreaking. As the church of Jesus Christ, we can do better. I can do better. We must do better. Time is of the essence. Would somebody please tell me about Jesus? The lost around the world are screaming. Would somebody please tell me about Jesus? Remember clear as day, serving in the refugee camp in 2013, over 7,000 Muslims came through the camp that day. I was in, we were on the front line as a team, working hard, passing out water, passing out food, giving out clothing. And as our team was ministering at the entrance of the camp, behind us from the second entrance, we heard the words, would somebody please tell me about Jesus? What would you do to, with yourself in that moment? You, your heart is racing. You want to go help, but you know you have responsibilities at hand. You know what we, the team did? Left everything that we were doing and went over to the people that are asking about Jesus. Would somebody please tell me about Jesus? Of course, we said, we'll tell you about Jesus. But first, would you share with us what has got you to this point in your journey? What is it that has caused you to call out to Jesus? One of those young Muslim men said to our team, I want to share a story. He said, as we left a war-torn country of Syria behind, we made our way down in Turkey trying to cross the Aegean Sea to get to Greece up through Macedonia to find safety and security in Western Europe. He said, that day there were crowds of people. I can't even imagine how many were there. As we made our way through the crowds looking for a way to get across, we noticed the only way to cross the Aegean Sea was by paying smugglers to load us on a raft. On the back of the raft, there was a motor. These rafts were built for about 40 individuals, but that day they were putting 60 to 70 people on the raft. For those of, the, those of you in this room or watching by live feed, if you Google that crisis, you will see the rafts and you'll see people hanging off the edge of the boats. It was a disaster. So those young men began to share this story and they said, as we were about to load on the back of the raft, we were the last ones that were boarding. And right before we, we stepped over to get on, there was an older gentleman that tapped us on the shoulder. He said, I don't know where you're going. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you're facing. I know it's going to be a horrible journey, but I need to let you know that Jesus is all-powerful. As faithful Muslim young men, they kind of just laughed that off. Jesus is just a prophet, they thought to themselves. So they boarded the boat. The boat went out to sea. The motor was cranked, and they were continuing their journey. And in the middle of the Aegean Sea, the motor dies. 
The entire boat was panicking. The three men in the back, one of them grabbed the string of the motor, frantically pulling on it time after time after time again. Nothing, it would not work. People in the boat thought they were going to die of dehydration, starvation, lost at sea, never to be found again. Their, their raft could capsize. So imagine if you're in that situation, you would be panicking as well. Those three young Muslim men in the back said, I don't know what we're going to do. And one of the men said, well, remember the words of that man before we left? Jesus is powerful. We have no other option at this point. Let's just call out to him and see if he'll do something for us. So I didn't know, I couldn't, had no room to get down on my knees, so I just looked up to the sky and said, Jesus, if you're real, if you're powerful, help us. So if I was to be honest, I was expecting like, fire to come from heaven or something. <laughs> he said, but I'll look around and nothing happened. Well, I guess we were right. Jesus is just another prophet. What else are we going to do? He said, but then a thought came to my mind. And this is how I'll translate it. Well, dummy, <laughs> you never tried to pull on the string of the motor again. Why don't you try? He said, so I reached down took the string of the motor, pulled it back, and immediately the motor cranked. We made our way to Macedonia, coming through Greece to Macedonia, desperately trying to find somebody that would tell us about Jesus. Now, sir, would your team please tell us about Jesus? Our team had the opportunity that day to lead those three young Muslim men to Jesus Christ. Don't tell me my God can't do it. As Americans blessed to live in a country flooded with opportunity, we must ask ourselves this question. What are we willing to give up so that one person has the opportunity to hear the gospel? We are living in a time when many people are fighting for their rights. Our global culture tells us that everything is acceptable and no one can deny us personal freedom. Truth is exchanged for lies, morality for immorality. We're told that sin is normal while purity, righteousness, and godly living are offensive. Our Western culture is dying for a loss of truth and has become increasingly inhospitable to a God-centered worldview. The proclamation that Jesus is the only way to salvation is being labeled as hate speech while secularism becomes the status quo. The challenge that you and I face as a 21st century church is to resist the urge to gather ourselves together for mutual fulfillment rather than the glorification of God. Let me say it again. The challenge that you and I face as the 21st century church is to resist the urge of gathering ourselves together just to feel good rather than glorifying our creator in heaven. We must remember that God is our source and all glory and honor belong to him. According to missiologist David Wells, it is this God, majestic and holy in his being, the God whose love knows no bounds because his holiness knows no limits, who is disappearing from the modern evangelical world. Instead, we seek happiness, not righteousness. We want to be fulfilled, 
not filled with his spirit. We're interested in satisfaction, not sanctification. While all the time our world is drowning in modernity, the redemptive message of the gospel can only reach them if the church of Jesus Christ is committed to the task. In the second chapter of the book of Acts, you know the story well. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples were gathered in the upper room like Jesus had told them to do. The Holy Spirit fell upon them. They were endued with power. Later on in that verse, it says that the people around were gathered there saying, this is crazy. There were some of them that were saying, these people are drunk. And the apostle Peter, full of boldness, stands up, says, these are not drunk like you suppose, but what you are seeing is the fulfillment of the prophet Joel. And he goes on to share the prophecy. And then after that, the Bible says that over 3,000 people gave their hearts to Christ. Why? You ever think about that? Yes, the move of the Holy Spirit. Yes, the presence of God. But there's another part of that that we don't really talk about. Or at least I've not heard preached. Why did 3,000 come to Christ that day? Because the first century church had a passion for biblical truth. These new believers, the scriptures say, devoted, devoted, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to regular fellowship. They ate together. They prayed together. They sang together. They had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions took the finances and gave it to everyone that was in need. They met in the temple regularly. And the spirit, of, the spirit says, the scripture says, the Lord added to their numbers daily. We as a 21st century church desperately need to regain our passion for biblical truth and our hunger for sitting under the teaching of God's word. Without a passion for God and his truth, there will never exist a passion for his glory among the nations. Our love for God, love for his word, and love for one another, love for our community, love for the nations go hand in hand. They are inseparable. The gospel, this precious gospel that we proclaim, isn't just for the unbeliever. It's vital to every aspect of the believer's life. It's our sure foundation. Romans says it's the path to righteousness and the power of salvation to all who would believe. As we read the gospel, our focus is shifted off the problems that surround us and placed on the things that God has done on our behalf. Its message reminds us of who we are in Christ Jesus. It roots our faith, produces growth in our spiritual lives. It gives us hope now and forever. This is the message that we hold so dear. For God so loved the world that he gave. 
For God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus gave him himself for the billions of people who still have no relationship with him. He suffered and died so that the 6,825 unreached people groups in our world would have the opportunity to hear the message of salvation. He came so that every person from every tribe and nation, every ethnicity, gender, and culture would have an opportunity to experience the complete healing of their body, mind, soul, and spirit. Jesus came for the 400 million Europeans who were lost without him. Christ came for the 55 million people living on the Balkan Peninsula, including Macedonia, an area home to Europe's least evangelized countries. Jesus came for the 99.94% of Macedonians who are still without him. This is why everything we do must be about reaching the unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a lost world crying out for help. We are called to bring the hope of Christ to those that feel that life is hopeless. I'm going to tell you a story about the man, a man named Blage. See this picture behind me. Blaje, a farmer by trade, lived in Bogdansi, Macedonia, an area that we wanted to establish a church in. We had a team from Mississippi that day, that, that, that week that was there working hard. As a farmer, he planted seed all his life and expected a harvest like farmers do. But year after year, a body of water, because of the filth, the debris, the trash, the pollution, the muck and the mire, I can say in Mississippi, they don't understand it in California where I was at last week, but because of the garbage that was there, would overflood its banks, destroying croplands, businesses, and homes. Blage was at the end of his rope. He struggled to provide for his family. Year after year, most of his crop would be destroyed. He was walking a hopeless life. He was walking down the streets of that community, and he looks at us and as the team was there, said, why are you here? We replied, we're here to share the hope of Christ with you. Hope! There is no hope, he said. No hope for me, no hope for my family, no hope for my community, no hope for my children, my grandchildren, no hope for this world. Get out of here with your story, fictitious story about hope. Each and every day, Blage would walk by the team. And each and every day, he saw the team weeding the grass, mowing the grass, picking up litter and debris, the team even purchased a backhoe to clean out the muck and the mire of the body of water that was overflowing its banks. The entire time the team worked, they had a smile on their face. They had joy in their heart. They were working for God. Blage was so impressed that Americans would leave their country to come to his village just to do something like that. They invited them to his work shed for coffee. Macedonia, we don't just drink American, we call it American brown water. It's not that. It's Turkish coffee, okay? It's stronger than espresso. 
You've got about an inch of mud at the bottom of the glass. Best type of coffee I've ever drank in my life. If you're a coffee drinker, you need to look it up. So the team was there that day. They were invited to his work shed. They're sitting down together. Multiple team members hated coffee. <laughs> but they were on a missions trip, so what they got to do? They sat and they drank this really strong glass of coffee. You could see it on their face. Blage was so impressed by this team that at the end of the week, when we threw a party for the mayor and we brought her a bouquet of flowers and shared how awesome it was that we had the opportunity to be with her and minister to that community, she got up, thanked the team, and then towards the end of her speech, after she was done, she said, I just want to say how important this was for our community. Thank you for not just coming here and doing what you wanted to do, but thank you for asking me what was the need that we had. And so she, she showered love on us. And at the end, she said, is there anybody in this room from the community that wants to share something that happened in your life this week? The back row, Sat Blaget. He stood up, said, I don't have a lot to say. I just want to say this. Before this team arrived, I believed there was no hope for my life, no hope for my community, no hope for my world, no hope for my family. But because of what I've seen in this team, I've realized that hope comes through this man named Jesus Christ. Can somebody give God a round of applause? Like Blagé, people across the Balkan Peninsula are responding to the message of hope like never before. The challenge is our resources are limited. We need more people like you, men, women, young adults, children who are saying, I am called of God to the missions field. Not only am I called to go, I'm called to pray. I'm called to send. More people, individuals who will say, I'll pray even harder, I'll give even more, and I will answer yes to the call of God to go to difficult areas of the world, like the Balkans of southeastern Europe. The reality is, church family, none of us can do this thing alone, but every one of us can do something. We can do our part in fulfilling the Great Commission. The question remains, as I bring this to a close, what are you and I willing to give up so that one person has the opportunity to hear the gospel? What are we willing to sacrifice so that the church can be established in an unreached community somewhere across our world today? I would ask you to close your eyes with me for a moment. And everybody across this room, head, head bowed, eyes closed, I'm not, I'm not doing an altar call at the moment. I want you to take a journey with me. So if you would humor me for a moment and really close your eyes, because it doesn't work without your eyes closed. As your eyes are closed, I'm going to ask you a simple question. I don't want you to overthink it. Don't be super spiritual. Later on, you, you don't have to approach me and say, God gave me a vision or a dream unless he really did during this time. It's not about that. It's about taking a journey together. With your eyes closed, I want to ask you this question. 
what you see. What do you see? Absolutely nothing. Nothing but darkness. Now I want you to imagine that you hear voices off in the distance calling out, help, help, please help me, please, you have the ability to help. Don't leave me here. Please help. The voices get louder and louder. More join into the chorus. Help! Help me! Suffering in darkness alone. I see that you're carrying a light. Shine the light in my direction. Have compassion on me. Please. Louder and louder. The voices cry out, help, would somebody help? Don't leave me behind. Help. As the voices get louder, more join in the chorus. All is lost. Nobody comes. There's no hope. They're lost and suffering alone. Now I want you to open your eyes with me for a moment. This is hope. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened so that by which you might know the hope to which Christ has called you. Every church planted, every pastor ordained, every person discipled, this is light. This is darkness pushed back. This, my friends, is hope. This is why the establishment of churches is so important to us. Every person from every tribe and nation, from every tongue, gender, ethnicity, and culture. Every African, Asian, European, every Russian, Ukrainian, every American, every Macedonian deserves to hear the message of hope. 
this is why we do what we do. Thank you for believing in us. Thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for helping us reach the 99.96% of Macedonians that still have no relationship with God. As I transition to Pastor Troy, if you sense the Spirit of God moving in your heart, you're feeling his call to go to the missions field and serve. You're wanting to know how to pray even harder, maybe how to give even more. If you need just some information about what God is doing in Europe, the European context, I would invite you to join me and my family at our table, which is out the back doors. We would love to get to know you even better and kind of just share even more about what God has been doing. Amen. Thank you, Tim. Can we give it up for Tim?